1: Good morning and welcome to Focus on the Liturgy here on WNDZ 7:50 a.m. We are a program of Catholic Community of Faith. I'm Todd Williamson from the Office for Divine Worship and I'm uh, Timothy
2: Johnston from Training Publications.
1: And we are here every fourth Wednesday of the month from 8 to 9 and we we don't know about the listeners but we look forward to the show every month cuz we get to do sure. what we love to do most and that's talk about the liturgy, talk about the various aspects of the the corporate, communal, liturgical life of the church.
2: Yeah, and it's as we always say, it's a great time because that's like Todd just said, we love to break open uh, various things. And today, I think we're again going to have a, a, a good conversation, uh, maybe um, a little bit different than some of our other conversations. So we're going to do a little bit more focus on uh, some post pandemic. Uh, kinds of things, uh, but also looking at what uh, some of the main liturgies are right after the Easter season.
1: We just celebrated Pentecost uh, uh, just this last Sunday. We are uh, back into ordinary time, Um, but the Church doesn't jump into just um, ordinary, right, common, that's not what it means, but uh, we don't just right. jump back into the Sundays of Ordinary Time. So as Timothy mentioned, we're going to, our first part of the show, we want to talk about post-Easter and the celebrations in our liturgical calendar that we'll all be taking part in in the next couple of weeks. But then uh, we also want to spend a lot of time, uh, this has been, there's, there's been a significant shift in our world, in our country, definitely in our state, so for all mm-hmm. of our listeners, no matter where they are in the state um a, a, a significant shift in um post in covid co- uh, protocols and um it led Timothy and I just to talk kind of muse in, in preparation for this uh program just to muse about what are the struggles going to be when we come out fully of mm-hmm. this pandemic. Um, the liturgy has taken a little bit of a hit, as many things have. Oh my gosh, yes. Almost every aspect of life has. But the liturgy has too, and we want to talk a little bit about that. But first, post-Easter, right? It, was it a good uh, Pentecost celebration?
2: Post-Easter, yes, Pentecost. Oh my gosh, what a, what a great uh, uh, celebration and a time to celebrate the whole 50 days culminating with this great feast and actually uh, last evening um, I actually had, um, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, I, I still have a lexio group with some of my Marquette students from when I was working in campus ministry. And we actually, before the liturgy, got together and uh, did some lexio on that first reading, um, which was so powerful, of course. Um, with the, the Acts? The, the Acts reading, yeah, um, with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, say that forth. if you're not
1: lecturing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh yes, Pamphylia, Phrygia, right? <laughs> Elamites and Medes, you get all of the, all of the folks. But what a beautiful witness of, of unity. Yeah. We were kind of mentioning this before the show of it, within that reading that as the Holy Spirit descends upon uh, the community that's gathered, um, all these folks that, that have come from really different parts of the world, considering that time period, right? right. Um, they've come from different places. They speak different languages and they can begin to understand. Uh, they begin to be able to understand what they're hearing in their own language. Yeah. Um, and so the good news the good begins news. to be spread in, in that way. And from that point on, just as we are in baptism and confirmation, we're sent forth. The apostles were sent forth to go to the ends of the earth, which we heard on, on Ascension.
1: Right. The, and the other side of that, though, <clears throat> is you can't be sent without the Spirit. And that's why the gospel—and uh, and it also it also struck me uh, on Pentecost as well, Timothy, that we have needed peace <laughs> gosh, yeah. if, for 15 months um, in a very in a very particular way right the the um, not just peace not just peace in terms of like absence of violence definitely we need that my, my gosh look at the middle east right now right but we also need the peace that only christ can give and it, it always i always marvel that the very first gift of the risen christ what was it? It was it was peace. It was peace. Yeah. I mean, and and it's the, it's that it's it's different from just the absence of violence. It, and 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 our listeners know this. It's it's the it's the peace that the world can't give. It's it's a peace that is um, even in the midst of struggle, even in the face of crises, it it, it allows you to still be calm in faith, right? Trusting. Um, not, not, not doubting.
2: Well, and there's a beautiful uh, connection, which I think we've also talked about before. But that, you know, if you read an Episcopal liturgy where the bishop is presiding, um, you know, instead of the Lord be with you, he says peace be with you, and we respond, of course, and with your spirit. And but there's something connected in that. Yeah. That again, it's not just like hey, how are you doing? Kind of a peace. It is the peace of Christ. It's this peace that. Um, that the world cannot give as you're saying.
1: There's no other way to get it except through Christ through
2: Christ. And that, that dialogue within the liturgy, that, that exchange that we do in the liturgical act is supposedly forming us to do that in the world, right Right So that we can go and share that peace that we receive that we participate and, in. And
1: there's that connection yeah. that, that what you were talking about, you were talking about Ascension and Pentecost being sent, but you just you cannot do it without the Spirit. Yeah. And you cannot do it outside of the spirit. And and the spirit brings that, as you said, that unity. Right. Um, and that's really it's, it's almost like the church can't let go of Easter. <laughs> it's like, yes, officially the Easter season ends on Pentecost. But look at the next couple of weeks. What are the feasts? What are the major feasts? Right. Solemnities, major, major feasts. They, they, they're the highest ranking feast. Uh, that we celebrate in the next couple of weeks. They are all. They all kind of flow out of Easter, right? Right.
2: right. They they continue to break open the mystery that we've celebrated in in very uh, concrete. Somewhat concrete, I guess, but still mysterious. Uh, ways. so we get Trinity um, this coming Sunday. So the, yep, and then following that, the following Sunday is uh, Most Holy Body and Blood um, of Our Lord, and then um, so those are the two main that, Sundays that fall on Sunday. Right. But then we have the solemnity of the Sacred Heart, which falls on the Friday after uh, Body and Blood of Christ, and then of course not a solemnity, but um, following the Sacred Heart is the Immaculate Feast. Heart of Mary, the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and and. I think that the way that that unfolds um, right after this great uh, season of Easter um, just continues. Like you said, Todd, it helps us to (laughs) It's like we can't let go of it. It's like, wait, wait, wait. wait.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the the season might be over, but— there's connecting celebrations,
2: right? We're going to ruminate even more on on the mystery. <laughs> we're gonna, as, as we yeah, go yeah.
1: We're going to steep. I mean, because we talked about it last month uh, in talking about Easter, the whole the whole it is it is the mystery of the past. It is the Paschal mystery, and Easter is our being conformed through our baptism, which we renewed, mm-hmm. uh, conformed to that that Paschal mystery. And uh, various elements are the Trinity and uh as you said the body and blood of 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 the, our lord which we'll celebrate so trinity sunday this sunday you made a comment the feast upon which nobody <laughs> enjoys preaching <laughs> That's true, boy. How do you put words? How do you encapsulate a mystery into words? That's that's the struggle, really, that you're talking about.
2: Right. E- exactly. It's not that. Yeah. It, it's any anyone that preaches out there, priest or deacon, um, they know the the sometimes complexity of trying to preach on this day because the mystery of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in one God. What we profess every Sunday in the Creed, right? Mm-hmm. And, and trying to break that open in a way that isn't overly academic and goes over everybody's head um, because it can become a th- an exercise of theology um, but also breaking it open so you don't water down the mystery, right? And and but really trying to break it open in in the life that we we live and remembering that we are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, at the end of the day, um, I, I in the back of my head often for things like this particular feast day, I often have Sister Francis, one of my first grade teacher, and Sister Yvonne, my fourth grade teacher, in my back of my mind saying, "Don't worry about the mystery. Just know that you were." Baptize it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy <laughs> Spirit, and and just and just live it, and 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 maybe there's something true in that, like the simplicity of yeah. of of just just live it yeah live in that relationship.
1: I like that. I like that because really, in in some senses, that's that's what these two solemnities offer us, right? Unlike others, so they're technically they're called solemnities of the Lord,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but unlike other solemnities, they don't mark a particular element of the life of christ so for example uh you know the solemnity of jesus christ our lord king of the universe right it, it, that, that that's an aspect of the person of christ right these are more we call them theological feasts yeah I because mean, they they celebrate a theological a, a reality that we profess that we say we believe in
2: yeah i i that's exactly right and it and oftentimes You know, these as these feasts developed throughout the centuries, which I'm not going to try to quote history today (laughs) without having looked it all up, you know, these weren't something that were done right early in the church. I mean, these developed over time. Um, You know, Corpus Christi became a celebration um, many centuries later. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, but it was a way to cultivate um, a spiritual uh, life, it was a way to help people have a relationship, for example, using that with the Eucharist Mm -hmm. in a more profound way. Um, be, partly because people weren't receiving Holy Communion. So this was a way to celebrate. There were processions with the Blessed Sacrament, that kind of thing. Um, but they continue today uh, to invite us into that theme of unity, as we we shared earlier, and breaking open the, the theological reality of... And I love this about like the most holy body and blood. I can never say that altogether. <laughs> um, but what Corpus I lo- Christi is much easier. I know, it's much easier. <laughs> but what I love about that is it invites us to not only ponder the the gifts of bread and wine that that become the body and blood of Christ, but it, it invites us to reflect then on how are we the presence of that body and blood, the Eucharistic uh, people that we are in the world. Yeah. How are we feeding others? How are we being present, uh, in in that way? So there's a lot a lot there really uh, to to break open and reflect on.
1: Well, the 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 opening prayer for uh, Holy Trinity. It echoes some of the things you're even talking about, Timothy. So the opening prayer for this coming Sunday, it addressed to the Father, but listen to how the other two persons of the Trinity are woven in. God, our Father, who by sending into the world the word of truth and the spirit of sanctification made known to the human race your wondrous mystery. <clears throat> Somehow, sometimes that's that's all you can say, right? As as, yeah. as as sister said to you, <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
2: This wondrous mystery, which is what we've celebrated the last fifty days, right. or a little bit more than that now, and that that's what we're diving into here. This the the, the other image with the Trinity, because it's again it's relational, is this the what uh, I'm going to probably say the word like is it the kinetic. Uh, this life-giving um, source, paracornesis. Thank you. I was like, "What is the right word?" That, this is,
1: this, you've been uh, listening to Liturgy Jeopardy. That's right. <laughs> what is paracornesis? Paracornesis. It's which means it's a Greek term, and it really references the divine dance. Yes, that's that's how the the uh, patristics talked about it, the divine dance of the of the of the Trinity. The, the, this wonderful image of uh, just in love. Yeah. The three persons of the Trinity in this eternal divine dance.
2: And, and that, I think, is the mystery to, to continue to break open, especially this year, uh, because we heard during the Easter season the the letter of John mm-hmm. that talks so much about love. And how are we part of this ongoing life? That, we, that's what we're we're reflecting on. And
1: indeed we are, because in our baptism and our confirmation, we are brought into that divine dance. Right into that relationship of love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
2: Yeah, and, and there's beautiful artwork out there that, that also yeah. uh, images this dance. So definitely Google, do a Google search or something and, and, and look those up because... Yes,
1: images of the Trinity, statues of the Trinity in yeah. particular. We'll pick it up there when we come back. We're talking about the post-Easter solemnities here on Focus on the Liturgy.
3: Our veterans have served our country, and it is our privilege to serve them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Services and the Veterans Computer Project, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219.
2: Hey, it's Timothy Johnston here from Liturgy Training Publications. Over the past few months, I'm sure you've found yourself at home more whether it's working from home or watching live stream Masses on Sunday mornings. As we begin adjusting to this at the beginning of the pandemic, one of the things I missed the most was gathering with friends at the parish. That's why we at LTP have created this new virtual gathering series called Living the Sunday Word. We meet virtually on Thursday evenings each week and reflect on the upcoming Sunday readings. And with that, we share stories to help us more fully reflect on the Word of God. I'm inviting each of you to join us, a group of friends meeting virtually from all parts of the country. So visit ltp.org for more information and to register. You won't wanna miss this.
4: Caring adults make all the difference in the lives of adolescents. Catholic Charities understands this and our mentorship program provides a free opportunity for youth living in Lake County to spend time, virtually, with volunteers who genuinely care about them. This program is ideal for youths age 9 to 12 who may need support navigating the challenges of childhood and early adolescence. Our amazing volunteers serve as friends and role models who help youth recognize their strengths and empower them to reach their full potential. Catholic Charities conducts a thorough background check on every volunteer, and our program coordinator closely monitors and supports each relationship. Mentoring is a fun after-school program that is totally different from remote learning. Virtual group sessions help youth enjoy fun activities with their peers, too. We're connecting youth with great role models. Join us today. To learn more, call 312-937-3375. That's 312-937-3375.
1: Welcome back to focus on the liturgy here on 7:50 AM WNDZ. We are talking about the post Easter solemnities and we're just before that last break talking about the, uh, uh the divine dance of the Trinity. Um, it's a, ra- a rather ancient image of, of the, of the Trinity. And that's what we celebrate this coming Sunday. Um, there's, uh, we're actually looking for images online as we speak. Uh, Brian, I found a couple of good ones. I wish I could email them to you. Uh, after that, uh, of course, after um, uh, Trinity Sunday is the celebration of Corpus Christi. Uh, that's what we. That's the previous term, right?
2: Right, yeah. I mean, the previous term before they were merged together, because there was a separate feast for the Precious Blood, um, it, historically, um, and then after the Council, if I recall correctly, that was merged into one feast um, to show the unity of, of the, uh, um, the sacrament. Ultimately, you know, bringing bringing all of that uh, uh, together. So today, that proper name, though it's still in parentheses as Corpus Christi, is the solemnity of the Most Holy. Body, blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think, right? Yes. Right? Yeah. Make sure we get that right. Um, and and again, it's one of those. As we said a little bit earlier, it's a great um, day to reflect upon. It was moved to Sunday. It used to be on a Thursday, um, similar to Ascension. It mm-hmm. was. It was one of those uh, moved. Yep. Um, that. Uh, but it's a great day to contemplate the Eucharistic mystery um, okay. and, and and what what this means in our life.
1: And again, we hear that in the texts. This is the opening prayer for Corpus Christi. O God who in this wonderful sacrament have left us a memorial of your passion grant us we pray so to revere the sacred mysteries of your body and blood that we may always experience in ourselves the fruits of your redemption again there's there's that aspect of the paschal mystery that continues to flow out of the easter season
2: yeah and i i love that last line the fruits of your redemption is you know, again, it kind of connects back. I think to the Pentecost uh, conversation about what the Eucharist is doing. Like we are, we're being nurtured, we're being nourished by this body and blood, and um, we go um, uh, forth, you know, to to proclaim, to uh, share that uh, uh, the good news that that we have, and. I sort of lost my own train of thought. I'm sorry, sorry. I'm no, distracting no, 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 no. you. I'm distracting no, 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 no. you. I apologize. Good. You're good. All all is good. Oh, oh that's so the fruit of our redemption is go, that going out. That's what I was going to say is that is part of the fruit that we bear, you know, by proclaiming and sharing that the good news of salvation that we have yeah. by being nurtured in order to do that we bear the fruit of that, that redemption by, by the mission, by the ministry that we do.
1: Yeah. And, and even in the prayer over the gifts that come in, grant your church, O Lord, we pray the gifts of what were we just talking about <laughs> unity and peace. Yeah.
2: yeah, exactly. See, it's perfect.
1: I know, I know it's in it. And it's that, 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 that you have to have that in order to do what we're given the spirit to do, right. In order to, to do that mission that you were talking about.
2: Right, right, and of course on corp, uh, on on this beast on Corpus Christi, um, a lot of parishes, sometimes the archdiocese or diocese, will have eucharistic processions with the Blessed Sacrament. That's um, a traditional um, uh, prayer um, at the end of the liturgy on this day. Uh, a lot of places will do that. I don't know about in this year if that will happen. Yeah, there
1: there are there are still some that will be doing that. So, and which is a which is a a a, gr- a, a great way to have that even flow out in outside of the walls of the church, right? Outside of the walls of the the mass, as it were.
2: Right. And and, uh, yeah, exactly. Because what we celebrate in the liturgy, you know, we wouldn't have Eucharistic exposition if there was no mass, right? Like you have to have liturgy mass. You have to celebrate the Eucharist. What, What exposition, what those processions, it all flows from our communal prayer in the Eucharistic liturgy. Yeah. And... And I, it's a beautiful image then that that Eucharist, especially on something like this with the procession, not only is it within us as we become temples of that uh, of the Spirit in that same way, and we flow out of the Church when we're dismissed. So do we bring the Eucharist into the world. We become Eucharistic people in that sense. Um, the Body of Christ feeds the world.
1: Yes, and in that transforms the world. And tra- yeah, exactly. It goes back to that um, that uh, 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 post communion prayer for the fifth Sunday of ordinary time that I've raised before may these gifts may may we bear through these gifts may we bear fruit for the salvation of the world yeah oh my I mean that who wants that responsibility (laughs) (laughs) well we all said yes (laughs) (laughs) well we all said I do believe in God the Father Almighty I do believe in Jesus Christ his only Son and Lord I do believe in the Holy Spirit and if that then Mission,
2: you know, it's funny you bring bear that up. Bear fruit
1: for the salvation of the world.
2: Yeah, I wish. Boy, that that'd be a whole nother sort of preaching point. But I, I was recently at my godson's confirmation in St. Louis, and and the the Archbishop was preaching. He didn't quote that particularly, but that's what his, his homily was on. Uh, similarly, like that, we go out into the world to bear fruit—the fruit of our baptism, the fruit of our life in Christ. And I sat there as as the the candidates were renewing their baptismal promises as they do in the right and I was thinking to, to myself, and this is terrible of me like how many of them know what they're doing? <laughs> like how many of them really understand Realized. what what this moment is about? like did we prepare them for this um, that and what what he preached about? like are they making this connection? Um, and we did this at the Easter Vigil, right or yeah. on Easter Sunday, we all renewed our baptismal promises, which we've talked on several shows. And and it and here again we're being asked to go into the world.
1: Yeah, and I wonder. It's kind of this is kind of a transition here, right? I mean, two things you made note of the um, the body and blood, so. Corpus Christi, Latin for body of Christ, right? It was only known as that in the, in the revised third mm-hmm. edition of the Roman Missal. It's the, the fuller title, so the most holy body and blood of Christ. That, the, the precious blood is not forgotten. And you just made the comment about the struggles of people making connection mm-hmm. between the liturgy and their baptismal life. We're going into a phase of life where I think that's going to be very, very important. Both those two points. Yeah. The precious blood, which we have been not partaking in for the last year and a half in most dioceses of the country, Mm -hmm. definitely here. We're coming close to a time when that will be allowed again. And you and I were talking about the fear that that will be lost.
2: Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, again, we within our current time, and I, I was sharing this during the break, like we can even make a correlation to previous times in history, which we won't belabor today. But, but this has sort of happened before where we've lost the precious blood and the assembly, the laity did not have access to it. It came uh, back, it was uh, emphasized with Vatican II, um, uh, well, even before that, with uh, Pope Paul VI's uh, Eucharistic Mysterium, um, that came out, you know, re-emphasizing when the precious blood could be uh, uh, celebrated or, or shared with with the laity. Um, anyway, a lot of different opportunities and places for that, but the risk again is because it's, and it, the reality is, oftentimes it's not. Used or or uh, highlighted, highlighted. Offered, say, offered. Um, that's the right word. Yeah, offered at mass because it's not convenient. We don't have enough ministers, um, and now that we're in a pattern where we haven't been receiving it, it, it we fall into a, a, the or, or we risk losing it in the sense that it's just convenient, right? Um, and we right. don't really understand the <coughs> profundity of the fullness of the sacrament when we celebrate um, and receive from both the host and the chalice. Um, and even our documents, the general instruction, I think it's in paragraph 85, um, talks about one thing where the assembly really has the right to receive Holy Communion consecrated at that Mass and not just from the being, tabernacle. Pu- being, being pulled from the tabernacle because you're celebrating in the moment and this, you know, it's not something that happened before. And then paragraph 281, I think it is, is where it talks about the fullness. Um, of receiving both species, um, a, as we would say. I think I have it here. It says, Holy Communion has a fuller form. So this is paragraph 281 in the general, in, general instruction. Holy Communion has a fuller form as a sign when it takes place under both kinds. For in this form, the sign of the Eucharistic banquet is more clearly evident and clearer expression is given to the divine will by which the new and eternal covenant um, is ratified. Uh, and there's a little bit more, but I'll leave it at that. Right. But think about this. In Scripture, every time—well, not every time, but many times—wine is involved in, in these meals, right? It was part of—not only culturally, um, but it was an extremely important part of the Last Supper, obviously. Um, and and I, I think I shared this on the show before. When I was at Marquette, we did a wine tasting um, for Mass, like the liturgy wine tasting, because we needed to get n- new sacramental wine. Um, and we did a whole s- workshop on the theology of, of wine uh, before we did the wine tasting. And a lot of the students that, of course, they were of age, um, that came, were just astounded about how much wine is talked about in, in, scripture. in Scripture. And the connection of what the fullness of that. Remember, in the Last Supper, Jesus, you know, asked, Who, whoever can drink from this cup has a share in my life. Yeah. And 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 we share in that, the fullness of that, the joy of the resurrection, the joy of the passion, the sorrow, of the passion, all of it in, in that.
1: We have made the transition from talking about <laughs> post Easter celebrations to post pandemic. And we're gonna pick it up there in the second half of the show and break it open a lot more. When we come back from these messages, stay with us. Bye.
5: The Word Made Clear is exactly what its name implies. It's an easy-to-understand explanation of the Word of God, the Gospel. Hello, I'm Father James McElhone, Director of Biblical Formation for the Archdiocese of Chicago. I'd like to invite you to take our free online Bible study program by going to thewordmadeclear.org. Our website offers an audio-based guide to the Gospels of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. Listen to my lectures and follow along with the handouts provided. There are even discussion guides. You can also explore the biblical roots of the Mass. And there are links to a wide variety of biblical sources that will benefit both teachers and students of the sacred scriptures. Just go to wordmadeclear.org to experience our free online Bible study program. Again, it's free at wordmadeclear.org. It's the Word of God. Enjoy.
3: Catholic Charities Schreiber Center for Human Services is now open in Round Lake. Due to the pandemic, we are limited in the number of in-person programs that we currently can provide. However, a food pantry is open twice a week and a Wednesday night supper is held with to-go meals every week. A wide range of senior services are now offered as well. If we can assist you or someone you know, please call us at 847 546 5733. That's 847-546-5733. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for
2: you.
0: You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. The Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago.
1: Welcome back to Focus on the Liturgy, our second half of the show here, a programming element of Catholic Chicago. I'm Todd Williamson from the Office for Divine Worship, if you're just joining us.
2: And I'm Timothy Johnston from Liturgy Training Publications. The
1: first half of the show, we were talking about the um, post-Easter celebrations, and uh, before that last break, we have moved into talking about liturgy in the post-pandemic era. Uh, we said before, yeah. um, you know, a number of things have just happened. That's the whole first part of the show. We just celebrated Pentecost, the conclusion of the 50 days. But also, most recently, there have been significant changes here in the state of Illinois, at least mm-hmm. I'll speak about, certainly all over the country, where restrictions that we have lived under for the last year and a half almost are being lifted. And the, 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 we want to talk about the effect on the celebration of the liturgy. Uh, t- Timothy, understandably so. I understand every single one of them. I was behind every single one of the restrictions that we've had in the face of the pandemic. Um, but if you look at them, they're significant. Mm-hmm. We were talking just before the break about receiving from the chalice. That, for understandable reasons, has been um, omitted from uh, just about all celebrations of the Eucharist, uh, in, at least in, in, in this country. Singing. In right. most of the dioceses in Illinois, uh, congregational singing has not been a part of the celebration of the Mass for the last year and a half. Um, the fullness, the full complement of liturgical ministers, mm-hmm. the presence of the Your presider, le- definitely. Lectors. Lectors, servers, cantors, choirs related, mm-hmm. right? So uh, the, um, the whole um the whole question of virtual liturgy
2: yeah the reality that that exists now and what will that look like as we go forward
1: and so one of the things that timothy and i wanted to do is we wanted to talk about these um and and particularly talking about them uh in the post-pandemic era in the in you know mm-hmm. once uh, by all counts there will be no restrictions in the state of Illinois within the next number uh, four weeks or so. In June, the governor of Illinois has talked about yep. going to phase five, no restrictions. When that ultimately translates to the mass and mm-hmm. the, uh, the cel- our, our public celebrations of the liturgy, what will be the effects of the last year and a half? <laughs> I I think they're important to to, to look at. Uh, th- Timothy, we were talking about the precious blood before that break, and I told you this. I, I was on a phone call with a, a person who called our office just for some information, and in the course of that call, just she made an offhanded comment about well, you know, we we don't receive from we don't receive the precious blood uh, anymore, and we we probably won't go back to that. That was her comment. And and I didn't say anything, but in, in my head I thought, oh dear Lord, I hope not.
2: Yeah, I'm the, with you. The, the
1: the 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 fullness of the Eucharistic celebration is in both species. Just to be clear, if you receive the Eucharist only under one species, the consecrated bread or the consecrated wine, the body of Christ or the precious blood, you receive the fullness of the Eucharist, all right? So it's not it's not that, you know, uh, but as as Timothy pointed out, the the church understands that the, the 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 fullness of that sign is taking and eating, taking and drinking.
2: Right, that's the command Jesus yes, gives us that yes. we are celebrating this sacrificial meal.
1: And and I I would hate to see as we come back to normal, you know, air quotes here. I, I would hate to see that not be restored. Mm-hmm. It that is such a, an important part of the of the celebration. Again, many people don't receive from the chalice. They don't receive the precious blood for various reasons. And uh, I we are not going to evaluate any of those. That's not the point. Um, but at least that it should be offered. That's the thing. That's that's the, the key, right? That it at least be offered.
2: Yeah, I, I think it, it should be uh, offered again. And because it's been absent for so long, I... Th- I mean, I have lots of thoughts about this—not just about precious blood, but, but connected with that. You, you, especially if you are a pastoral ministry, if you are a deacon listening, or even uh, the pastor listening, is what are you going to do to help form, to invite folks back, to help them understand the importance of this, and not just like we're not going to do it because it's convenient, right? But that this is a fuller form of the sign,
1: or we're not going to do it because we don't want to spread germs. I mean, that's right. that's that's a concern. We 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 know about that though. I mean, sure, you know, the, sure, The 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 CDC has weighed in on that for the last number of decades, and and in most cases, uh, notes how s- that that it is it is not, um, it, it is safe safe to share from a common cup.
2: Right. Oh gosh. Yeah. Remember. I mean. Anyway, we could belabor that. Because yeah. back in the '80s and whatnot. Yeah. Lots of lots of different uh, things have come up over the years, and you're right. The CDC has has weighed in on that. But so, that,
1: that, so I, th- I guess that note to um, pastoral ministers, ordained and, and not, that you just made, I mm-hmm. think I think is is terribly important. Uh, singing. I I was I was at a mass uh, last night. Uh, f- uh, it was a, a mass of Thanksgiving for one of the newly ordained, and um, it, it it throughout all of it, I j- I missed singing, and I, I and I, I I remember sitting there looking around, going, I wonder. If the, if everybody else does, mm. that's another thing I would hate to see go by the wayside. When we're able to, in the next number of weeks, return, you know, to quote unquote normal, um, I think we've got. I think we've gotten used to letting the cantor uh, sing for us.
2: Right. I mean, even before the pandemic, we knew that yes. that singing in the in the congregation was, while many people and probably the majority of people were, it was always still kind of a struggle. And now that we've experienced, you know, this year and a half without uh, that, being
1: being told you can't, no, right, right,
2: right, and, and shouldn't, that it's going to take some time. I mean, it's way easier to unlearn a um, practice than it is to reinstitute a discipline to get people back engaged. So, I think framing this as a for not only yourself, but if you're again in those leadership uh, positions within the parish. This is an opportunity, an opportunity to re-engage, yes. to uh, revitalize, which we're doing in the archdiocese all over the place, right, with, with Renew My Church. Church. Yeah. This is the time, um, and to helping the assembly understand their responsibility in, with music, with the liturgy, all those pieces, because it's so integral. It's not They're not just add-ons, like, you know, music from here to there. It doesn't just accompany the, the action always. It, it, it's, it's integral. It's, it's part of the—right. It, it is part of the prayer. It, it's what is doing uh, like that gathering song, as we've talked about before. It's what gathers us together into one heart and mind as we begin that celebration. Yep. Um, the acclamations, the holy, holy, for example, uh, all of that is is part of of the prayer.
1: And and when sitting there last night, it 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 the the longing to do that again was increased. And 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 I hope it is for for others yeah. as well. And and again. <clears throat> jumping back to it i I think if you are a a pastoral leader if pastor uh, associate pastor deacon pastoral associate choir director liturgy director i think we need to be thinking about these things now oh my gosh yes how will we how will we help the liturgy be celebrated normally again and fully. <laughs> fully. And, and that, fully, you know yeah. what? I keep saying normally. And and, and, and well, but, and, but the, yeah. Yeah. Normally is fully. <laughs> you know, what is the norm, right? Even the documents use that term. Right. What is the norm? The, bis- the, the norm is that the bishop is the one who confers confirmation. That's the norm. Right. It's more than just what is normal, meaning usual, right? Or customary. Mm-hmm. Norm. It's another. That's another word for law, right? That's right. A, right. No, a norm is another term for law, rule, and and that's how the documents use it. The norm for the celebration of the liturgy is the full celebration. We have not had the full celebration for so long, and so we need to be thinking about this.
2: Yeah, I I was just as you were saying that, Todd. I was thinking, um, you know, here and I, and you you will have more information on this, but you know. We were dispensed, basically, the obligation yes, to attend Sunday the Mass obligation. was dispensed. That was an unusual circumstance, right? The norm, obviously, is that we're obligated to go to Mass on Sundays um, in, in that sense. Now, that can be overly legalistic in that sense, but we as a baptismal people have a responsibility to be there. Um, so that will eventually change right where that will be lifted yep. and that has happened in other dioceses oh, yeah. already in the country and
1: it will be in the dioceses of the province of illinois in the next number of weeks so that will that is that will be the norm again the rule
2: <laughs> yeah because i think one of the, the the biggest challenges that will affect whether it be singing the the receiving of the precious blood participation overall is will be what strategy the parish has to re-engage those who were already on the margins before the pandemic, but still coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but even those who were coming who may or may not now be engaged at all. If we didn't engage them in any way during the pandemic, what are you going to do to re-engage them, to connect with them, to help them feel like they belong to a family, to this parish community? This and that
1: they have a role in this liturgy.
2: Yeah, that they, they belong there. yeah, And that you miss them being present. Because if if they're not coming back... Um, and maybe I'm overly uh, sensitive to this, um, but, but I've heard s- a good number of people say, oh, I don't need to go. I can just watch it online. Yeah. I don't need to be and present. And I want
1: and before the end of our show, I want to talk about that as well. Uh, you know, the, a, a, a number of things, the, the, the that, mm-hmm. but there's also the, the sign of peace. Um, the procession of gifts has only recently been, um, uh, allowed again, um, and, and uh, we say aloud, but remember, this was all out of a sense of safety. This was all out of a uh, um, uh, erring on the side of caution. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, I, I understand, understood them. Recent, it was just the last couple of weeks that the uh, procession of gifts f- with one family, mm-hmm. you know, w- was again able uh, to take place. So, I mean, all of these different aspects, uh, the, the, the sign of peace <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, what what a now
1: for this. I'll, I'll say this about the sign of peace. There, as we know, the Roman missal prescribes no sign of peace. Right, it doesn't say. Right, you shake hands now. Right, it it it, it literally says what is customary. Um, what is customary in the United States may not be customary in other parts of the Catholic world. Mm-hmm. Here, the the custom is is to extend a hand at at the sign of peace.
2: And, and obviously we've not been doing that, right? Or most people, I mean, I've been in churches where, you know, the deacon or the priest says, you know, not you know, bow to one another or something like that.
1: That's And that's what I've been doing. And that's what I think most people have mm-hmm. been doing. The thing is, that's still a sign of peace. We can pick it up there yeah. when we come back for our last segment. Stay with us. We're talking about liturgy in the post-pandemic era. We'll be right back after these messages.
2: It's Timothy Johnston here from Liturgy Training Publications. Over the past few months, I'm sure you've found yourself at home more, whether it's working from home or watching live stream masses on Sunday mornings. As we begin adjusting to this at the beginning of the pandemic, one of the things I missed the most was gathering with friends at the parish. That's why we at LTP have created this new virtual gathering series called Living the Sunday Word. We meet virtually on Thursday evenings each week and reflect on the upcoming Sunday readings. And with that, we share stories to help us more fully reflect on the Word of God. I'm inviting each of you to join us, a group of friends meeting virtually from all parts of the country. So visit ltp.org for more information and to register. You won't want to miss this.
4: Caring adults make all the difference in the lives of adolescents. Catholic Charities understands this and our mentorship program provides a free opportunity for youth living in Lake County to spend time, virtually, with volunteers who genuinely care about them. This program is ideal for youths age 9 to 12 who may need support navigating the challenges of childhood and early adolescence. Our amazing volunteers serve as friends and role models who help youth recognize their strengths and empower them to reach their full potential. Catholic Charities conducts a thorough background check on every volunteer and our program coordinator closely monitors and supports each relationship. Mentoring is a fun after-school program that is totally different from remote learning. Virtual group sessions help youth enjoy fun activities with their peers too. We're connecting youth with great role models. Join us today. To learn more, call 312-937-3375. That's 312 312- Nine three seven three three seven five.
1: Welcome back to our final segment here on Focus on the Liturgy. We are talking about the liturgical life of the church after the pandemic um we are we are a month maybe out at least in the state of illinois of entering into phase 5 of reopening uh which is no restrictions um and and Timothy and I are, are talking about the what we can do and by we I mean all of us not just Timothy and I but all of us all of us who all of you who are listening what can we do to restore the liturgy to its fullest. It has been so depleted, understandably, understandably, mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Um, we addressed the the return of the precious blood, at least the offering of mm-hmm. it. Um, we talked about uh, singing uh, and and how vital that is to the celebration of liturgy. It's not just that, the old adage, we don't just sing at the liturgy, we sing the liturgy. Exactly. Right? It, the, the, yes. The, 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 when we sing at mass it is prayer it we are praying um and 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 the the music serves the singing of the body of christ that has gathered serves a purpose in it and and so so music directors to do everything you can in preparation to ease your 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 parish back into it but but to Push them on
2: it. <laughs> right, to remind them that it's not the cantor's responsibility to sing. It's Or the choir. It, or the choir. They are just there to lead. I mean, ideally, for example, the cantor's, when the whole assembly is, is able to sing— only begin and, and and welcome people in. They're supposed to step back from the microphone. Their voice should not be overheard. The dominant voice. Yeah. Like, it is the assembly's voice that should be heard.
1: It is the body that has gathered. Right? Exactly. Um, we, 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 uh, just before that last break, we were talking about the sign of peace, and then our conversation, as they always do. <laughs> Timothy and I continued it into the break. But you made a good point. Um, so in at least in, in Chicago and in the, it, our neighbor dioceses, for the most part, mm-hmm. the sign of peace was not omitted. Rather, we moved to a non-physical sign of peace, right? So no physical touch, but the sign of peace remained. And I was telling Timothy that it uh, was reminded of again last night at this Mass of Thanksgiving. It was, there, I, I, don't, I did not, that did not have a big effect on me. The uh, the way we did it last, the way I've been doing it is I I turn my whole body to mm-hmm. the person and and bow, uh, you know, in and, and, and extend uh, peace be with you. That that that's been that's been a different experience of the sign of peace. That hasn't been all that bad. <laughs> that ha- that has been good for me.
2: Yeah, I think uh, in a lot of parishes, you know, at St. Thomas, where I've been uh, going uh, most of of this since we've been able to go back. It's it's very similar. Most people have been just kind of turning, nodding their head, and, and and acknowledging the presence of the other. And even it's been kind of beautiful to watch people's facial expressions, like trying to exchange, yes. um, the, you know, a smile, whatever that looks like. But not in a in a. Disingenuous, the, yeah, that's a great, yeah, yeah. it you can tell there's something it's genuine there, yeah,
1: and you know what? I just had a I just had a thought. I just had a little bit of an insight. you You kind of made mention of it earlier when we were talking about the peace that the world cannot give when 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 it's when it's done by shaking hands, shaking hands in our culture says something, right? Mm-hmm. it's It says, "Hi, how are ya? it's mm-hmm. It's that welcome. It' say, "Hey, good to see ya." And that's not what this is. And not doing that, you know, the, Hey, how are you? The not, not extending the hand has helped me to see the sign of peace is way more than just the, hi, how you doing? Hope you're well. Right. That's not what the sign of peace is. And so the bow that we've been doing has helped me kind of understand that a a, a bit more. Um, That's something I hope stays. (laughs) That's something I hope, you know, I would, I'd be okay if that one stays.
2: Yeah, that that'll be interesting to see how that that evolves uh, for people um and and then just a, a side kind of quick note for that um uh, is that as you as you may know because Todd even said this before the break that the missile itself doesn't prescribe specify, this yep. so when the sign of peace is omitted that is allowed like it, it isn't just you know the priest making a, a random decision like it, it is up to him and the bishop can can also do that um you know to omit it for whatever reasons and sometimes they're there are legitimate but, reasons, that like, like of, under
1: yeah, in some cases, right? Maybe there there are
2: yeah. So hopefully, when when that comes back more fully, we'll also be able to express the fullness of the peace of Christ right. uh, as best as we understand it in our own lives and the lives of the, of the community.
1: Yep. Let me ask you this: Where are you on where are you on live stream liturgies? I'm after the pandemic. I'm. I'm conflicted. Well, I have to admit, I'm conflicted.
2: um, I can tell you, I have very strong opinions, so don't (laughs) don't don't hate me because I do. Um, I even when the pandemic began, I was not in favor of them, to be honest. Um, And and I know that so many people um, uh, certainly benefited from them, and there was a useful, you know, purpose to that. Um, I had. Sort of different dreams in my head about how we as a church could have come together to pray during this time, mm-hmm. um, and so in any case, I I don't I I struggle to think that these will continue as a norm. I mean, I know certainly homebound individuals. There are, are many people yes. that that certainly benefit from from that, but for able-bodied individuals who are able to go. It shouldn't become the substitute for the in-person celebration, because, and I think
1: that's the key. Yeah. You know, I got a look from our television and radio folks when when we made that comment. <laughs> <laughs> understandably, understandably, but that's right. and that's where my that's where my that's where the conflict comes in for me, Timothy.
2: Yeah,
1: I, 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 I'm I'm a little bit more along the lines of you know it did it really helped to keep, keep people mm-hmm. connected, to keep many people connected. I'll sure. say. Uh, and to keep many people participating in as much as they could in the liturgical life of the church. But it cannot be a substitute for in-person. Um, there, there are people who will, I know, I have people in my own family who still are not comfortable yep. being in larger groups. And I, and I understand that. And, and I think we need to provide for them. And My fear, though, is like you said, that it becomes the norm. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> it remains the norm. Um, you know and, and I think that it's a I think that it's a wonderful uh extension of hospitality in mm-hmm. some ways we just need to do all we can to not let it be the substitute because it it, it, it cannot be
2: right like it, you because we heard... just I
1: mean it's not possible that it can be that's my yeah you it, can, you cannot liturgy virtually is not the fullness of liturgy.
2: Exactly. It, it's it's sort of an image of what's happening, and, and you're participating in it, you know, spiritually. In a very in a, limited way. In a very limited way, in that sense. Um, but if, if if you are continuing that, um, or you're in that scenario where you are not able to be present uh, physically in church, remember, we talked about this, gosh, maybe March or April last year. You know, how do you create an right. environment right. in your home, in the space where you're yep. praying because I don't know about you, Todd, I've heard this from family, I've heard this from friends, like, oh, sort of, I think sometimes they're saying it as a joke, but like, oh, it's just easy to sit on my couch, in my pajamas, and... and with have, my cup of coffee. With my cup of coffee, and, and I don't have to do anything. That's probably not, well, it's not, I shouldn't say, probably it's not. That's not <laughs> the isn't. way you engage in liturgy. Right. Um, and, and so that's more you're watching, you're a spectator in something else that, that is taking place elsewhere. So, so yeah, When when you're comfortable, when things open up, definitely... Uh, come back uh, and be in the physical space of the church. Uh, When we gather together as baptized people, we are the body of Christ. Um, That's what we do when we And we have
1: duties and responsibilities. That's how the documents of the church talk about them. For the baptized, these are our duties and our responsibilities. It is right and just. Our duty, duty and our salvation, always yeah. and everywhere, to give you thanks. It is our duty. Uh, so, so, yeah. So, I, I, again, any leaders that are listening, I think we just need to have those real conversations in the parish about um, what what will the form of our live stream ministries take after um, uh, after the the pandemic.
2: And this is connected to even what you said a little bit earlier, maybe before the break, um, but. The live stream liturgies, in some cases, not all, and maybe not even most, but have, have limited ministers, right? Yes. So it is maybe one yes. person, maybe the priest, maybe it's one or two people. And that, that definitely needs to be addressed. Yes. In person. Even if it's
1: live stream, there needs yeah. to be the full complement of ministers. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell, I've said this to you privately. I, I heard a priest say, boy, I've gotten used to doing all this by myself. Yeah. That's not the fullness of liturgy
2: and and dangerous ultimately it, yeah, like yes. theologically that's not what we do as church, like that's not church right and
1: and as much as we are able when as as the as the restrictions continue to ease we we need to safely, safely bring mm-hmm. the liturgy back to its fullness. the ministers, the lectors, the cantors, the choir members, the servers, These. the ushers, the gift bearers.
2: And the assembly. And the uh, and the assembly and, and, the and assembly. its role. Yeah, because we don't always treat them as ministers and, of the liturgy. And
1: remember, assembly doesn't mean someone who's not doing something in the liturgy. <laughs> right, right. Everybody who is there is a member of the liturgical assembly, including the priest yep. and the deacon. The, that's what makes the liturgical assembly with the head— of the body that has gathered. It's the body of Christ. And every member of the body of Christ has a role to play in the celebration of liturgy. We have always said that. We will say that next month when we gather on the fourth Wednesday (laughs) of the month. So we look forward to being with you then. Again, happy ordinary time. We're back into it.
2: God bless everyone.
0: Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.